The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to part two of our podcast series coming from the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show. And for day two, we started with Alan Rosa from Sim 2. The highest definition. Definition. This is the AV Podcast. And as always, it wouldn't be a What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show without having popped into the Sim 2 room. Um, Alan, another fantastic demonstration again this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, we like to uh, make a bit of an effort. Uh, as I say, we, uh, uh, we respect the, uh, uh, the paying public. They're coming to see us. Um, and we hope we give them a little bit of uh, added value when they come to the show. So, yes, it's uh, very enjoyable. Now, the one thing that knocked my socks off straight away yesterday was your entry-level projector. Um, you think... At the price point, well, you know, what can Sim 2 do at this price point? They've got to cut corners, but I have to say, what a fantastic picture from such a small and cost-effective unit. Well, it it, it, it just really reaffirms that um, all projectors aren't created equal. Uh, the engineers uh, back in Italy are geniuses both optically and in the video side of things so we do take a lot of time and effort to make sure that the performance meets what people expect from sim 2 there's absolutely no way that we would put a substandard product out to the market because it people are, are very aware that sim 2 is synonymous with picture quality and uh, i think um yes as, as you say people are suitably impressed that the our entry level D10, which only got two stars on the What Hi Fi review, I hasten to add, a <laughs> uh, bit of a dig there, sorry guys, but um, is has, has been yes surprisingly successful. So we're very pleased with that. So just for those that haven't been able to make it down to the show this weekend, we'll try and give them a bit of an overview of what you're actually demonstrating. Well, we we like to make things difficult for ourselves, so we're showing four projectors um, on uh, three screens, effectively. So we're starting with the entry-level uh, D10, uh, which is a £1,600 product, HDMI, DVI. Um, it's a 1280-768 product, uh, so it's, it is HD compliant, but also useful for Windows Vista because a lot of people are using media PCs now for their uh, visual entertainment. Uh, we're shooting that onto uh, an 8-foot wide uh, matte white daylight screen. We're not using any extra gain to sort of fool the public. They're just matte white screens in, in, in our dem. Uh, then we um, move on to the HT380, uh, which is... Um, uh, that's what Hi-Fi Award winner, the recent awards, best projector for over four and a half thousand pounds. And as we discussed, I think at uh, the uh, the last show we met, we this features the uni-shaped lamp technology, brilliant colour. And what people can't appreciate is that the D10 has a 230 watt lamp in it, and that's nice and bright. But the HD380 has a 160 watt lamp in it but it's even brighter still and more colours. And this is just adds the dynamic uh, range. And so that, that's the 380, and uh, we, that's £6,500. Then, of course, we move up to, um, uh, I suppose, Old Faithful now. Because um, <laughs> it's two, two years since we launched uh, C3X. And you may recall we've upgraded the C3X as completely new electronics, 10-bit processing, dual HDMI, 
Um, and we're shooting that through an ISCO anamorphic lens, and then we open up the screen to uh, a 10-foot-wide scope image. And um, also what we're doing, we're, we're staying away from the typical uh, DEM material that's been going on. Uh, I think everybody's probably using Spider-Man 3, uh, Fantastic Four, you know, Rise of the Silver Surfer, or the Transformers, and I th- it's like anything, when you go from one room to another, you tend to get a little bit tired of seeing the same thing. So we've stayed away from those, very brave, but uh, we're using, uh, on the C3X, we're playing Grand Prix, which is the 1966 uh, film Formula One. And it just is a fantastic example of how high definition uh, reinvigorates uh, uh, some of the classics on that. It is, a, it is a stunning transfer on that disc. Absolutely. I mean, any Anybody that's into Formula One, admittedly, obviously, uh, in a, it, within a different era, it, the, the racing sequences are absolutely jaw-droppingly great. I mean, it's amazing. And then, of course, the final one is the official launch, um, although we did sort of have a sneak peek at a previous show um, of our uh, uh, gem, and that's the C3X1080. Um, so basically, <clears throat> Sim2 Optical Engineering have been able to reincorporate the, uh, all the wonderful technology that is DLP3 chip 1080 into the exactly the same form as the original C3X. And, and credit to the guys, the performance is staggeringly good, absolutely amazing. Now, we've had a, an early start this morning, um, just so we could have a look at your new calibration system, which comes with the, the Grand Cinema projectors. Just wonder if you could... You've obviously explained it all to me, and I think it's a fantastic interface. Can you just explain it briefly for our listeners what this calibration tool will do? Certainly. Well, one of the benefits um, of digital uh, displays is that you um, have uh, access to very powerful tools and and, and control. So uh, part of um, the SIM2 philosophy is obviously excellent picture quality. But to get that also, you have to calibrate the displays. We're all too familiar with the displays that are set up for a shop environment um, so that uh, they're, they're probably a little bit on the cold side to make them look good in a shop environment. Now, SIM2 have been using... Um, what we call live colours management in our projectors for probably the last two, three years. And it's a powerful tool, and we've now um, opened up that tool and uh, with a new programme called Live Colours Calibration. And this means we are able to give uh, access to the, uh, uh, the individual, be it uh, you know, the end user or the, uh, the ISF um, certified calibration expert, uh, full access of defining and playing with the primaries, the red, green and blue characteristics of the projector and the secondaries, so cyan, magenta and yellow. This way you can absolutely be assured that everything is 100% right. So what you're seeing on screen is is as the director intended, not necessarily as the manufacturer wants the display to be. And this is something that's very, very important. So it's a very powerful tool, and we're including that as part of the Grand Cinema series, effectively sort of beginning of December.
And it's it's quite a nifty way of uh, of hooking up to the projector. It's just using a, a, an RS two three two RS two thirty two connection. So very very standard. And also we have USB interfaces on our projectors as well. And uh, once you've done the the setting, you save it and then you send it to the projector. It's stored in the projector's memory. Job done. And uh, and sit back and enjoy the uh, enjoy the show. That's the important thing. And the other thing is, um, I mean. Different people use different uh, measuring techniques and, and devices and so on. But the, the great thing with this is it's real-time as well, so you can actually see what changes you're making actually on the screen at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Whatever. T- I mean, you, you do need to use uh, um, uh, a device to measure colour. Um, the, the human eye can be fooled very, very easily, and what you believe to be a good picture is not necessarily the case so the wonderful thing about this is you, you can actually do measurements see it happening and with the right uh, test equipment you're able to see exactly where that point is and, uh, and set it accordingly now it's some fantastic stuff and as always it's great to come and see sim too because you know i've been around the whole show now it's the best picture here this weekend oh, so congratulations the on checks that in the post <laughs> no problem alan um just one last thing um cinemascope Yes. Lots, lots and lots of talk about this now. Um, we've been saying for a while, anamorphic's the way to go. Have you been happy with the way it seems to be catching on now? It certainly um, adds the, the wow factor. I mean, home theatre, you know, I'm very much, as you know, um, uh, cinema, is the, that's the way to watch a film, not on a plasma. You know, no disrespect to our to our fellow uh, plasma manufacturers or LCD flat panel manufacturers, but the, the reality is people still like to go to the cinema. Um, the big screen uh, is the way to see that. Now, of course, uh, with nearly probably 70% of films produced in what was originally called scope um, and, and now tends to be under the tag of Panavision or 235 to 1. Um, there's an awful lot of material out there that you're going to be watching with the black bars on your on your 16 by 9 display. So with the, the anamorphic system, yes, it is a, a serious investment because glass and optics aren't cheap. Uh, the effect is absolutely dramatic. You you are effectively increasing the picture size by a whopping 76%. And people don't realise that, that although you increase the width of the screen by a factor of 1.33, the screen area is 76%. And, and it's phenomenal. And with high def, Blu-ray, HD, DVD, whatever you poison you, you choose to pick, and, and, and Sky... Um, all these films are there to be given that uh, that treatment. So, I say, I mean, we've been pushing anamorphic probably here in the UK for over three years now. Well, I remember we we showed it here at What Hi-Fi uh, over three years ago now, and uh, it's it has been a bit of a slow process because people don't necessarily have necessarily have the room, or the, there's a, a bit of a deep intake of breath having to spend five grand on a, a lump of glass basically, but the effect is dramatic and it really does add to that experience so uh, I, I you know, go for it. It, it it's phenomenal you never want to go to the, the, the cinema uh, again if you have that in your home and one last last thing it's all about watching the films at the end of the day isn't it alan and sometimes um even us in the business we tend to forget the fact that it's actually just about sitting down watching the film so <clears throat> when you're watching something in a scope especially on a 12 foot screen it's just 
it's just something else isn't it it's it, you you get immersed in the whole um experience and, and you're absolutely right we do tend to uh get sort of wrapped up in oh i can see pixels here i can see pixels there or, or uh, uh, motion this and motion that which is are all very valid um <clears throat> criticisms i've never understood people uh that come to these shows that they stick their nose right up to the screen and and sort of this intense examination i'm thinking what is it that you're looking at or looking for what do you think the difference is because you're not going to see it sitting 16 feet back from you just you just you just don't and quite often uh, and our recommendation quite often is watch the film not the picture and uh, i think that's good advice Thank you very much for your time. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the show. And as always, congratulations on the demo. It's fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate uh, um, uh, you, you coming in to, to see us. It's, it's always good to, uh, good to see the guys from uh, the AV forums and, uh, and, and, and what a great job you do. And, uh, and uh, good luck to you all. Carry on. It's more than just stuff. I would deem it excellent. This is the AV Podcast. So we're with uh, John Jeffers from uh, MJ Acoustics. Uh, you're on the top floor at the What Hi-Fi show. So what are you uh, showing for this weekend? Hi, Phil. Well, we're showing the Xeno speakers, um, which consists of um, gloss black piano satellites and a dedicated centre, and the same for the rears. We're actually airing it with the reference 800s because we've got a fairly large room, which is enabling us to show that these satellites can be integrated with really large subwoofers as, as well so we can pressurise the room. And we're on a bit of a buzz today because we've had some really good feedback and uh, there's a lot of people in our room. You're not just using one subwoofer in there, it's such a large room. Um, how many are you actually using? We're actually using two 18-inch Refere 800s, which is um, quite an unusual thing for us. There's an awful lot of ambient noise. We've got a lot of people next door to us and down that are also running subwoofers, so uh, it's particularly important for us to be able to pressurise the room properly, and, uh, and that's what we're doing. I understand you're using Onkyo's top-of-the-range amplifier there to run everything. Yes, it's the first actually outing that we've had experience of it. We've been loaned it by Superfly, our partners, for the show um, uh, this weekend. And um, I am very, very impressed, actually. So what's the philosophy behind uh, the speaker package that you're showing in there? Well, the key thing to the Xeno package is the fact that it is full range. We've got the cabinet sizes as small as we dare can, uh, allowing them to go all the way down to 48 hertz, up to 22k. Um, which is quite unusual, really. We built this bigger package to work around our subs rather than some of our competitors that do it the other way around, um, which means you don't have to use bass management within your AV amplifier. You can give a full range to every single channel um, and then let the LFE open itself up uh, to do its job on its own. I understand you're, you're actually showing the room with uh, Optoma this year uh, with some of their projectors and uh, interesting demo sequences as well. Yes, actually that projector is really quite outstanding. Uh, one of the things we're doing um, is we're actually showing standard definition and we've, uh, we're using a Denon uh, standard DVD player which is not doing any upscaling at all. It's a standard signal going straight into the HD80 projector that we're running um, and it is scaling up to, nine, uh, to, to 1080p and people just think we're running HD it's just quite amazing actually the results are phenomenal yeah so it's, it's a great little room if people haven't been able to get down this weekend and actually see the product for themselves uh, where can they go uh, t- to get more information have you got a website yes we can go on the website that's www.mjacoustics.co.uk um, they can obviously have a look at some of our you know dealers from our website as well we'll be rolling the Xenos out of the factory from about the 11th to the 15th of this month um, 
obviously we've got a bit of a backlog to catch up on because uh, we start doing that we, we hit the deck running with some significant orders based on the shout Bristol when we did the pre-production run when we last spoke and uh, the changes that we've made up to this date now well, that's great. What uh, is the retail price for that package then? The speakers are actually £230 a pair if you have them as stereos. They're £499 for the five. And if you want them with the Pro 50, the award-winning group test-winning Pro 50, it's 795 Well, that's great. It's, it's always great to catch up with you at these events. Um, hopefully, plenty of forum members have been in there and experienced that, and hopefully we'll get plenty of chat on the forums. Uh, but, John, it's great to speak to you again. Thank you very much, Phil. Look forward to seeing you again. So we're with Stuart Acey from Optoma and uh, you're showing some of your projectors in the room there, MJ Acoustics. So um, how are you finding the show? The show's been brilliant. I think uh, the room has been packed and we've kind of struggled to uh, get everyone in and out again. Uh, we're showing the HD80, uh, theme scene HD80, which is a 1080p DLP projector. Retails at £2,000 and is the projector that won the best uh, product within its category of one and 2000 So uh, I think a lot of people have come here today to see that in high def and also a standard DVD 5.76 format. Yeah. Uh, now you were showing uh, 5.76 in there and letting the, the projector do the scaling rather than the DVD player and it looked very, very good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, one reason why we're using DVD, we found at the previous shows that we're, we're putting high def in it a lot of the time and most people were coming to us and saying, well, I don't have high def yet, I'm thinking about it, haven't got it. So we took the decision now to actually put 5.76 into it from the Denon DVD player and let the projector do the scaling using its own onboard pixel work scaler. Uh, the surprising thing is a lot of people have been saying that they thought they were actually watching high def. And it wasn't until we've stopped and said, this is 5.76, now we'll move on to 1080. And they said, ah, right, OK, excellent. So it's been, it's been good. And I think our point that we're making here is that there's a lot of other displays around here that are showing 1080. We're showing 576 because we still believe it, it is a. It hasn't matured yet. The, the hardware is slowly, it's slowly coming out, and the software as well. And I think really to show 576 for the customers here that are coming around the show is what they're going to get at home. Uh, then they can pr- progress up to up to 1080 or true 1080. Now, the other product that we're interested in talking about, I know Neil's interested in talking about this product as well, is the scaler in the room there that you have, which is a bargain price at the moment. Uh, yeah, the scalers that you see there are the two scalers that go with the projector, uh, and not the one that Neil's more likely thinking about is the HD3000. So, in a sense, the HD3000 is very similar to the scalers that we have in there, but they go with the HD81, and we've also got the HD81LV, which is a pre-production sample, the LV being large venue. The firmware is built into the, the, the scalar unit itself, which drives the projector. So we don't physically have the HD3000 running in there, uh, although we did have that at the Bristol show, and we were utilising that as well. And I know it's something that Neil here has uh, experimented with quite deeply, and I gather you quite like it as well. So, now, Neil, you might want to jump in here regarding the, the, the D3000. Uh, what, what's your views on it, and especially at the price point it's at at the moment? Well, it's a super scaler. Um, the, the scaling quality is very good. The interlacing is very good. Um, it has some very interesting features, such as the colour management system. And if I could get to the bottom of exactly how to use the levels, people would find that that could cure a lot of problems with a lot of different products, not just the Optoma projectors that it was designed for. And at the price, well, it's an absolute steal. So with the projectors in there, what other lens options do you have rather than the standard lens on the projector? Yeah, I mean, the standard lens on the HD81, HD81LV uh, and the HD80 is 1.85 to 2.2, which is classified as a a semi-long throw lens. 
We will be introducing a short throw lens which will go on the front of the uh, project, those, those three projectors, which will reduce the throw by around 25%. So that will accommodate more kind of British living rooms. Uh, you've got to bear in mind in the US they've got quite large living rooms, so 1.85 to 2.2 is ideal. When we bring them over to the UK, using the same optics as we've got in the US, uh, some people do struggle to try and get their 7 or 8 foot uh, projector screens in. So hopefully the lens we're going to introduce uh, will we'll overcome that issue, and I said we'll reduce that uh, the throw ratio down to by 25%. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time out to speak to us on the podcast. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at the Bristol show. For real AV talk, this is the AV podcast. So I uh, am with Alex Dickey, who's the product sales manager for Hugh Simmons, and we're here to talk about a very, very special uh, little gadget called the Shift. So just explain to our listeners what the Shift is. The HTC Shift is uh, HTC's first attempt at a laptop. It's ultra mobile. It's got a 7-inch touch screen, so it's very compact. It's got a full QWERTY keyboard, um, and it's also running Windows Mobile Vista. So you can do all the normal applications you could on any other laptop. So what makes this so special? Well, there's not many other laptops like this that have a full touch screen and that also incorporate the full QWERTY keyboard, and it also incorporates a SIM capability, so you can put a data SIM card straight into the device as, as you can with a normal mobile phone so you can then therefore get all your emails surf the internet you don't need to add an extra PC card or an extra USB modem all you need to do is add a, a SIM card a data enabled SIM card Now Neil we had to play about with this um, yesterday afternoon and it's, it's quite a, an interesting product isn't it? Yeah I found it uh, a very interesting product it's actually something I've been waiting for for a long time Phil a PC with full-featured um, usability. It has a large hard drive, um, no no cutbacks like you would have with a normal PDA, um, but such a small form factor and very easy to carry around with you. And the thing that impressed me the most with it was it was very easy to use the on-screen handwriting recognition to make quick notes and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and it was very, very easy to use and compact. So the shift, it's, uh, is that out now or is this, this uh, a pre-production model that we're seeing? Um, it's a pre-production model you've seen so far, but the sales stock will be launched on and around the 3rd of December. And what kind of money are we talking about here? Um, for an end user, it's probably going to be around sort of above £650 plus the VAT. So that's definitely the standout product on your stand here at the show. Um, but HTC, people might not know who HTC is, so do you maybe want to explain who, who you are as a company and some of your other products that you have here on the stand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, HTC is one of the fastest-growing technology companies in the world at the moment, and they're leading, leading the market with their Windows mobile devices. Um, so traditionally, they've produced many number of PDAs like the Orange SPVs, the O2 XDAs and the carriers have, have bought them up in large volumes and rebranded them. HTC are now coming out and wanting their brand to become wider known and therefore they're launching a lot of products under their own brand. For example, they've also looked, just recently launched the Touch Jewel which incorporates their new TouchFlow technology. Um, so you only have to slide your finger across the screen and it'll flip onto the next page. You can rotate photos um, it's also got 3G HSDPA to surf the internet at high speeds, and it's got a numeric keypad as well. That's all really interesting stuff. So if people want to find out a bit more about the Shift or about the other products which HTC uh, have in their lineup, 
where should they go to find out more information? Um, you can certainly go on to uh, htc.com to have a look at all the specs and, uh, and all the details on that. If you want to buy any, um, you can buy online at a website called devicewire.co.uk. OK, well, go check them out, HTC, and uh, thank you very much, Alex, for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you. The biggest news and the best, best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV Podcast. So moving on, and uh, we're at a very interesting stand. It's Epsom, and I'm speaking to Graham Davidson, who's the product manager. Hello, Graham. Hi there. Now, Graham, uh, Epsom always produced some stunning home cinema projectors. Um, so what's your philosophy behind the company? It's really about producing the, the best quality image uh, that we can using the Epson core technology. So Epson's a 3LCD manufacturer. We manufacture the technology ourselves. And our um, philosophy really is to, to produce the best quality image that we can. Um, all of Epson's businesses from, through print... Um, all of our imaging businesses are all about producing the best quality that, that, that we can we can achieve. Now your uh, your home cinema projectors get lots of good publicity. We had the TW one thousand in for review um, a few months ago, um, and it, it got a Best Buy award. We thought it was absolutely fabulous for the money. Now you you have the TW two thousand coming to the UK very soon. Just explain a little bit behind that model. Okay, well the TW two thousand is is uh, an evolution really of the TW one thousand. Um, it, it has launched in the UK now. It launched yesterday. It was the official launch date. And uh, here at Watt Hi-Fi is its, um, its first UK uh, appearance. Um, we've made a number of improvements on the TW2000. So we've, uh, we've increased the, the, the brightness of the projector. So it's now up at 1,600 lumens, uh, which was due to feedback that we'd had from, from customers. They wanted a, a, bit, a bit more brightness in the projector. Um, we've also managed to achieve uh, an incredible 50,000 to 1 contrast ratio. And that's down very much to the Epson technologies. We, we, we call this deep black technology, which is uh, very much a combination of our, uh, our new D7 LCD panels, um, which have got an increased a- um, aperture ratio of 20%, we're allowing more light through and we're able to achieve the better black levels as well. Um, we use uh, new polarization filters to re- reduce any uh, uh, light escaping unnecessarily from the projector. And of course we have dynamic iris as well, which, which helps us to achieve that, that excellent um, contrast ratio. But other improvements we've made as well are uh, we've, we've increased the number of HDMI ports on the, on the projector. And um, we've, we've been involved with ISF to, uh, to ensure that we get the product ISF certified. Um, so that the, the, the projector can be calibrated for optimum use uh, in, the, in the customer's home. Now that's something we found um, when we reviewed the TW1000 was just how accurate um, we could get the colour gamut, especially um, uh, 709 HD gamut. It, it more or less fell bang into place, it only needed slight adjustment. So have you widened the gamut with the TW2000 or have you kept it the same? The, the, the gamut is, is wider. I don't have any official data on that, no. But yeah, we, the, the colour gamut has been improved. Um, we've also we have the XV colour mode as well on the projection, so we, we, we can fulfil the XV colour requirements as well. So we've made some, some significant improvements in that respect. Now, uh, we're obviously talking about your uh, top-line product, the TW2000, but you have got other projectors in there. 
and we always say to people don't rule out 720 um, everybody's talking about 1080p but really 720 as long as the colours are accurate you've got good contrast and all the rest of it 720 is just as good and at the money nowadays some of your products are, are, are excellent I, I totally agree the, the 720p products um, it, it quite often surprises me uh, you know if I, if I look at uh, uh, a lower resolution product even lower, lower than 720p 480p and then look at 720p I, it always amazes me how good the quality is on 720p and on our TW680 TW700 models um, we, we have excellent contrast ratio the, the, the brightness is what our customers have asked us for um, and, and they'll integrate fantastically into anyone's um, sort of home cinema home entertainment system so 720p definitely shouldn't be ignored now you have the uh, the TW2000 on display here um, in the display room if people are coming down at the weekend um, why should they come in and, and sample the delights of the 2000 then well I think a lot of um, the, the, the whole thing with Epson projection is you have to see it to believe it it's something we've said a lot with our print uh, technologies in the past as well um, you know I can give you all the specs and they are very impressive but you have to see it to believe how good it really is it's very impressive um, so we've got an excellent setup at, at Watt Hi-Fi where you can see the projector used to its full potential. And um, just for those that are interested, what's the actual retail for the, the 2000? The retail price of the TW2000 is £2,999, including VAT. So Excellent value as well. Fantastic value for a 1080p projector with, with that, that specification. And uh, I take it's D7 um, technology in there as well? It is D7. That's excellent. Graham, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. It's, uh, it's always exciting to see Epson's new product. Yes, thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah. With more gadgets than QBranch. The name is Bob. James Bob. This is the AV Podcast. So I've managed to catch up with forum favourite, uh, Mr. Denon. Roger Bachelor, how are you? Fine, thanks very much, Phil. Now, we're, uh, we've had a look around your room. We've had a look at some of the, uh, some of the new products which are coming in the next few months. And I, I guess the one that we're really excited about is your, your preamp and uh, power amp, uh, which is coming, which is the AVPA 1HD. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. This has um, been in sort of, re- sort of kind of engineering research and development mode for, for quite some months. And uh, we'll be looking to launch it in uh, January of 2008, uh, hopefully with a showing at the Bristol Sound and Vision show, with any luck. And, of course, there's the matching POA A1HD uh, power amplifier, 10 channels of 150 watts, bridgeable to 5 channels of 500 watts. Um, So, really, you know, this is the sort of the replacement for the Mega Monster integrated amplifier, the AVCA1XVA as it, as it currently is, but in two sections. It's the first time we've had a pre-power combination in over, well over 10 years, and people have been asking us for, for, for such a thing you know, for a long, long time. There's been a demand building up for it, so we're pretty excited about this. So why go away from the integrated um, and, and go back towards the, the process and power amp? Was there any strategic region, reason for that? I think the the reasoning um, is that you know we felt we'd gone as far as we could go with an integrated with the A1XVA. Where to go beyond that? There was only one way to go, and that was to separate them out so we could really pile in the features and the switchability and the conversion capabilities of the preamp, both for video and audio, and, and then to really 
beef up the power performance of the power amplifier itself. And then at the same time, we'll be launching the AVCA1 HD, which is the integrated 7.1 channel amp, because up until now, the AVCA11 has been a very popular 7.1 amp, although we've done great business with the AVCA1 in the the UK. Um, On a global scale, of course, there's a uh, a lot more saleability for a 7.1 amp. So we're going to be doing that as the integrated, and then for the big 10-channel stuff, it's the separate pre-power. Hopefully, this is going to be completely future-proof. Maybe you can tell us some of the features that's going to be on there, Roger. Yeah, well, we hope it's going to be as future-proof as, as possible. Of course, you know, you never know what's around the corner um, in terms of, uh, of our, this, model, uh, this market and technology and so on. But, yeah, you have all the decoding for Blu-ray and HD formats, DTS HD Master, Dolby True HD, obviously lossless, um, you know, um, PCM, uncompressed PCM as well. Um, so in terms of audio, pretty much as future-proof as you can possibly be. HDMI 1.3a, as we have on all the AV receivers at the moment, from the video point of view. Um, and we'll be looking at what possible upgradability there will be. You know, this is built to be as, as upgradable as possible. Um, but I don't think, you know, you can't say absolute certainty that it's, uh, everything is totally future-proof these days. You know, it's as future-proof as can possibly be. Now, one of the big features which um, we have a real interest in because we, we tested the Pro version um, and it got a reference product uh, award from us uh, is the Odyssey. And I understand yeah. that the, the full Odyssey package is in there, so maybe you can explain a little bit about that. Yeah, we have the Odyssey Multi-EQ XT and we've been working with Odyssey for quite some time now. So this includes the, the, the current version of that. Um, the latest uh, software version of that, the new microphone as well for that. And, of course, now we're also a lot more experienced at, at using Odyssey. We know how to get the best out of it and what, what, it, what it shows us, you know, things like absolute phase with centre speakers. We know the whys and wherefores of how some speakers are manufactured and designed and have been for 25, 30 years, and it's just showing us perhaps that, that, that the, the centre speaker is actually designed out of phase, you know, internally. And also in terms of positioning the microphone around the room, you know, not putting the microphone up right up against the wall just because you've got a sofa there because it's going to be out of line with your speakers. You know, doing it in a pool in the middle of the room, getting, picking up all the reflections as much as possible from the middle of the room. So we're just, you know, we've got the experience now to get the best out of Odyssey. And it is, I think it is the, um, you know, certainly the most sophisticated system that you can have built into the product. I understand that actually the, the Pro Installer kit can actually be used with the, with this system as well. So uh, you could actually get a Pro in that, that's, that's used to setting up um, the, the Pro system can actually set this up as well? That's right, yes. Um, you can use it with the, uh, the outboard Odyssey. We've not um, decided exactly what's going to happen within Europe at the moment. I think the USA will be forging forward with that before we do. And then we'll be using that as a model for, for what we might possibly do within within Europe at the moment. So it's a question of watch this space, and you know we'll see where we're at early next year with uh, with with the outboard Odyssey. Now, pricing wise, can you give us any idea of, of what we're looking at when we're looking at this combo? Absolutely, um, five thousand pounds a piece, basically. So it's a ten k package for the two the two units. Um, the AVCA1 integrated amp is likely to be somewhere between three and a half and four thousand pounds. You really have to be an AV enthusiast to be spending that type of money, but all this technology definitely goes down the range as well. Um, and 
we're also looking at the 4308, mm-hmm. which has been out for a little while now. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure thing, yeah. I mean, this is a product that um, we is, is uh, gained a lot of interest not only from uh, enthusiasts but obviously custom installers as well because the it's totally flexible in terms of what you can do for example with speaker switching it's a 7.1 channel amp but it has what we call intelligent amp assignment meaning for example you can have an in-wall discrete system for 7.1 and a dedicated pair of stereo speakers all wired up when you switch to stereo you get your floor standing speakers when you go back to Dolby Digital you get the in-walls or in-ceiling speakers working or you could have like a multi-zone setup where you have three zones 7.1 in the main zone which switches to 5.1 when you want to run another zone goes to three channel at the front if you want to do three zones and then it all comes back on again as you switch off the other zones but using the amplifiers in that one amp to do all, all the work other things it's a fully networkable AV receiver of course it's got Wi-Fi audio networking built in so we're streaming audio at the show here for example from a PC on a network, uh, picking up audio, the web radio browser is built in as we did with the 4306, got the new Odyssey uh, microphone, comes with two remotes now, one for the main zone, one for the second zone as well. Um, We've got audio restorer for compressed audio, three levels of switching for that to get the best out of whatever bit rate you're using. Um, to you know, the, if you're running one to eight kilobytes, for example, we can enhance. So you're getting closer to CD quality from iPod and MP3 and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, the list goes on. Two HDMI outputs, which you can run simultaneously for either two zones with the same picture at 720p. The main zone can go back to 1080p when you're not using two zones, or you can have it for plasma on the wall, projector on the ceiling, that sort of thing. So um, pretty comprehensive. So it's a, it it looks like a very exciting lineup coming up in the next year, and obviously the forty forty three oh eight is out at the moment. Yep. Um, anything else which you think uh, our listeners, the AV forums uh, community, really should be looking forward to? Well, yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got such a wide range of products. From from our point of view, the the AV range will continue to to expand throughout next year. Um, obviously, we've got other other players in the pipeline in terms of source players, like the Blu-ray player, which will be announced for Europe sometime early next year. Uh, the US is launching fairly soon now with that, but we're not ruling out the possibility of HD DVD at some point. We know we want to support whatever formats people want to be able to play um, on their equipment. Um, otherwise, we've got a number of solutions for people for their, for their second room, you know, like the speaker bar that we're doing, which is getting a lot of interest at this show. It gives the most amazing sound field for a little, very slimline speaker bar with a subwoofer. Um, and things like the S52 DAB type tabletop radio, you know, which is a, a nice discreet client device. Again, you can stream audio to it from anywhere in the house. It's got DAB built in. CD again. We've got some Odyssey technology in here to get the best bass response out of a little simple stereo unit. iPod on the top, timer, two different timers built in. So you know, even if we've got our big home cinemas, we all still want audio around other parts of the house as well. So there's quite a few products here this year that we're showing to, you know, for for people to to use for other applications as well as the AV stuff. So if people want to find out uh, a little bit more about these products uh, and haven't been able to make it down to the show this weekend, um, where can they go and find out some more information on, these, on what we've talked about this afternoon? Well, you'll see quite a lot of info appearing on the, the various sort of uh, websites and news sites at the moment, but also on denon.co.uk.
Roger, it's great to catch up with you again. Thank you very much for your time on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Phil. For up-to-the-minute AV discussion and hardware reviews, visit avforums.com. So it's always a popular stand. It's very, very busy at the moment, and I'm with Phil Porter from Sennheiser UK. So how are things going, Phil? Hi there, Phil. Yeah, it's going brilliantly. Uh, This is the third year that we've done the show, uh, and it's got better each year that we've done it. Uh, What we're showing here this year is a range of our sports earphones, uh, what we call our street earphones, our traditional audio file earphones, and some cordless product as well. Now, obviously, with the, the, the huge explosion in MP3 players and, and portable media and so on, the headphone has become a fashion accessory these days. So what, what do you have on your product line there that's, that's cutting-edge and revolutionary? Oh, that's right. Uh, there's been a, an explosion in the growth of what we call ear canal earphones in the last couple of years. Uh, and these are very, very high-quality earphones that have also got the benefit of cutting out outside noise so ideal for use on trains and aeroplanes and that sort of thing uh, the model we're seeing a lot of here is called the cx300 which has some become a sort of an industry standard very high quality in earphone uh, you mentioned um, the aspect of fashion we've also got some pink earphones here today uh, for people that like those colors and we've got a whole load of new earphones coming out that are titanium black uh, and various other colors as well and for the audiophile, someone who likes the, a good quality headphone, what, what else do you have there on your product line? Well, we've got the HD650 here, which is our top audiophile headphone. Uh, that's been out for a couple of, uh, about three years now, and we've got that on display, and we've got, a, must say, a lot of interest in that one. So out of the two markets, which one do you think is, is the, the bigger growth area for you at the moment? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's, it's definitely at the moment, uh, not only for Sennheiser, but for other leading brands. Uh, it's the in-ear portable market, uh, and uh, sales are being driven by the, the great success of portable MP3 players. Uh, and especially the fact people want to upgrade with their standard equipment, they're coming to brands like Sennheiser uh, to, to, to get better sound from their MP3, MP3 players. So you're right, yeah, it's the, it is the portable area of the market that has seen tremendous growth in the last two years. Phil, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, and also, you, you sponsored the podcast, so thanks very much for that. I think we need to talk about some smaller headphones for yep. myself, though, because these big cans are just... <laughs> I've had people pointing at me and laughing <laughs> all day. So we'll have a chat about that. But, right, Phil, thank you very you. much. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. So it's only been about four weeks, but we'll meet up again with Martin Moorcroft, uh, Velodyne. Um, you've got a stand here showing off your subwoofers this time, so for those that can't make it down to the show, uh, let us know what you're showing on your stand. Yeah, we're showing the full range of Velodyne. We've basically taken one model from each range. At the entry level, we've got the CHT8, which is a classic home theatre 8. It retails at £299. It's a remote control, standard class AB amplifier-driven subwoofer with a slot-loaded port. It's Velodyne's more conventional technology. Above that, we have uh, SPL, Small Plays Loud. They're basically 1,000-watt Class D switched amplifiers in sealed casework with an automatic EQ system, starting at £750. Above that, we have Digital Drive, which is Velodyne's premier range, starting at 1900 with full on-board parametric EQ, auto setup, you name it, it's got it, all the bells and whistles. Uh, we're also featuring our new baby sub, designed for smaller living rooms, also designed to be used with iPod-based music systems and gaming consoles as well, called the Micro-V. It's a departure from uh, Velodyne's normal product in the fact that it uses a 6.5-inch driver, which is the smallest driver they've ever made, two six and a half inch passive drivers one either side 
and it's in an extruded aluminium case available in black or white. It's a 600 watt RMS amplifier and it sounds great. Now, it's, uh, some very interesting products. I mean, we, we know all about the digital drive. Yeah. Um, very, very popular in our forums, as is the CHT. Um, but I'm looking at the in-wall, uh, the in-wall yeah, at the moment, it. and this looks like a very interesting product. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's designed for people who just don't want to see any kind of uh, equipment in the room, really. And what you've got is a, a chamber that fits in a 4x2 uh, drywall construction, and you've got a, a, a very unusual but... Um, simple t-shaped driver which has the same cone area as a 10 inch standard cone but it fires up and down vertically inside the wall and then is ported out and essentially the what we're looking at here is the the front of the wall which would then be drywalled over and then you end up if i can show you obviously obviously for listening to this is not going to be very helpful but that is the window on the room that you end up with for base which is a um a grill that's two and a half inches high and 14 inches wide and that's all you see in the room for your base you have a discrete amplifier mounted with the rest of the uh, av equipment so just for the benefit of the listeners we're actually looking at a finished wall um, with a skirting board at the bottom and just above the skirting board we've got this two inch by 14 inch uh, grill and that's that's all we see that's all you see yeah and you could put that in the ceiling or in the floor you don't have to have it in a wall anywhere where you've got that 16 inch center four by two you can put this subwoofer and it's a fantastic piece of kit it's typical, typical Velodyne sound quality, very fast, very clean. And um, you can run up to two of these in-wall subs off the one amplifier. So does it come with, with a full amplification yeah, as well? Yeah, 1250-watt discrete amplifier with full auto EQ on it as well. So the, the, the whole solution is £1,800. So it's almost like a, an infinite baffle design in the way you've gone about that. Yeah, then. yeah, that's right, yeah. It, it's, it's designed to, to be minimum vibration. The problem is with a lot of in-wall subs is they sound fine at low level, but as soon as you crank them up, then they, they vibrate the wall. This thing is totally silent in the wall, and you can run it at full tilt without hearing any vibration at all. Well, it's, uh, it's great to see the range. It's great to see you out here at the Watt Hi-Fi show, and best of luck for the rest great. of the show. Lovely. Thank you very much. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. So Neil and myself have managed to find somewhere quiet after the show just to sit and have a, a little chat and uh, put our heads together and see what we can make from uh, this year's What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show. Um, so Neil, were there any highlights for you this year? I don't know if I would say there was any particular highlights this year, Phil, unfortunately. Um, certainly the best things at the show, though, were uh, the Sim 2 demo. As always, Alan does a very, very nice demo to let people see anamorphic projection. Um, the Audio Lab processor, I think, caught both of our attention. Um, the room sounded very, very good. Um, and in such a difficult environment, it really does bode well for the product, and especially at such a good price. Um, and I think the other thing that perhaps also surprised both of us was the performance of the new Black Pearl projector. Um, there have been some perhaps unfounded rumours of the performance not being as good as we would have expected, and I think we can certainly dispel any rumours in that perspective. The performance was um, exactly what we would have expected and very good. Yeah, that was one of the surprises, and, and I guess also um, Sony uh, did a, an absolutely cracking demo which really surprised both of us. Yeah, I mean, um, the guys from Sony were using their basic receiver for the demo. Um, They had a fairly nice set of B&W speakers, but nothing too fancy. Um, As they said, that room could probably have been picked up for around 
£12,000 or so, and it certainly punched well above its weight in terms of the performance. It was a system that anyone could have been proud of listening to. Um, I think the guys had done a very nice job of setting up the room, which perhaps for all of us is a lesson of how important good setup actually is. And the clip that they were using as well, I understand during the day, uh, the majority of the demonstrations were with Casino Royale. Uh, but we got to see something uh, really quite special. Yeah, when we went in to see it, they actually put on a, a, an anime film known as Ghost in the Shell. I'm, I'm sure quite a few people know the Ghost in the Shell series and stuff like that. Um, and that disc actually had a particular feature in the audio. It was running full 7.1 channel uncompressed PCM audio. And the experience from hearing that, even on the basic Sony system, was very exciting indeed and certainly an improvement over anything we've heard before. Now going back to uh, Alan Roser and Sim2, they always put on a, a great demonstration. Uh, and again this year, I think the Domino 10, which is the £1,600 projector, I was pretty knocked back with that. I wasn't expecting much and it knocked me back a little bit. It was very, very good. What did you think? Yeah, again, we actually both said to Alan after the demo that uh, once again his second highest, uh, second projector up in the range was kind of outshadowed by his entry-level projector, which really exceeded our expectations. Um, for £1,600, to be honest with you, I didn't expect a lot, but it delivered quite a nice image and certainly as good as any of the other images we saw around that price point around the rest of the show. Now, there, there was also some other interesting stuff there. Uh, Optoma had uh, a, a, quite a decent demonstration going as well. Nice images there. Yeah, the Optoma projectors are an interesting one. Um, we don't see them discussed too much on the forums. I think the offset of the projectors puts a lot of people off, but they're really not that difficult to install if, if you take a bit of time to go over it. Um, and certainly the image quality that was presented by the projector was, again, very, very impressive. Um, the Optoma guys had taken an interesting decision, and they were actually only running standard definition DVD throughout the day, and it was really one of the best examples of what good upscaling um, can do for a system, and they were allowing the projector to do the upscaling um, rather than doing it in the DVD, which again, sadly, we saw um, too many companies allowing uh, cheap processing in DVD players to dictate the level of performance from their products, and the guys from Optoma simply didn't make that mistake. And uh, I, I guess there was some other nice little gadgets there, the Switch um, certainly caught both of our imaginations um, uh, just such a such a, a cool little toy to play with. Yeah, I mean, the Switch is such a cool little toy, there's no doubts about that, um, but for someone like myself, I do a lot of travelling, as you know, Phil, um, and need to take a lot of notes as well, and I just thought that that was finally the device that I've been waiting for, small enough to carry everywhere, big enough screen to be practical, good enough keyboard to do some, some emails and stuff on the move, and the thing that really blew me away was just how good the handwriting recognition was. So yeah, it was the, the the switch for me perhaps was one of also the surprises of the show that we should uh, um, really give some congratulations to for something different. And I guess um, for something different, um, we could, we should also talk about Sapphire and uh, and their projection screen. Um, takes I, I guess it takes a lot of bottle to to try and do something against the grain, as it were. Uh, and try and solve a, solve a problem with, with uh, an ingenious solution. And it looks like uh, the guys at Sapphire have managed to do that with their screen. Yeah, the Sapphire screen caught my attention at the Heathrow show, and 
Um, we had a good discussion at Heathrow and I was glad that you were able to see the the, the screen as we were walking around the show yesterday. Um, for people who don't know, the Sapphire screen actually rises up from a very slim unit on the floor um, rather than dropping down or needing to be wall mounted. And so for a lot of people that will be a good option um, to have in their living room or something like that. Very unobtrusive and easy to install. It's quite a nice screen and I think we both thought it was a bit of a bargain. With all the plus points, there also has to be some negatives. Um, so what were the disappointments for you this year? Unfortunately, there were quite a lot of negatives about the show. Um, as I'm sure people visiting um, will agree, the first downside had to be the entry price, £15, for people to go in and see that was really a bit of an insult to the paying public. Um, the second thing that really, really let me down was the sound in the What Hi-Fi demo. Now, it was a real shame that the equipment that was on display there was absolutely um, really good equipment and it should have been capable of producing a really good sound for us. The room itself uh, shouldn't have posed any challenges, but it seemed that they had just chosen the wrong track to display and I actually felt my ears were painful, physically painful, after the demo um, due to the very high SPL and the high frequency area of the soundtrack and that was not a pleasant experience for me to sit through. No, that was uh, Transformers, both on DVD and HD DVD. And um, yeah, I've got to agree with you a little bit. Although my ears weren't as bad as, as yours clearly were, um, it's not the most ideal soundtrack in the world to use. Um, and I'd said to you previously before we actually went into the demo that I'd watched the, the HD DVD version and had been unimpressed with the soundtrack. And lo and behold that's what we we uh, we watched so um if we had any advice for what high five for demos in the future what do you think we th they should do well i think that they needed to uh slow it down a little bit the scene wasn't an ideal scene i i, I of course can understand why they picked it. it had quite some impact but it was too fast moving for people to really appreciate what they could see on the screen and I think we were both surprised by feedback from some forum members that we met during the day who couldn't really tell too much of a difference between the HD and the SD parts. And for us, there was a significant difference between the two. Um, the, the second thing was the sound. Of course, that was what they were wanting to let people hear. But it's a very um, one-tone soundtrack. It's very thin. Um, there was not too much bass. There was really nothing to get your teeth into. And again... It was all, all crash and bang and nothing particularly dynamic. I think if they were wanting to show that, perhaps some music and a slower-paced movie would have been more interesting than trying to combine HD sound with standard sound um, with that particular soundtrack. Coming back to the issue of the entrance fee, Neil, I kind of felt that way as well. We were privileged enough to get, um, obviously, press passes to get ourselves in there, but I think even... You know, we didn't pay any money, and we were quite disappointed with the, the actual show. So, having spent fifteen pounds to get in there and then see the lack of support from some of the real majors like Toshiba, uh, like Fujitsu, and so on, it must have been really disappointing. I can understand why the paying public would expect to see the likes of the majors, but the 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 fact of the matter is, it's a very very expensive show. Um, for companies to display it and a lot of them uh, based on last year's attendance and so on surely must have felt that it was not worth their while if it had been worth their while they would have certainly been there in force so we have to ask you know what does that mean for the future of the show as well now 
I'm going to say best picture uh, by a mile was obviously the same two demo. The, the guys know what they're doing there. They know how to set the stuff up. Probably closely followed by um, the surprising sound quality um, from the Audio Lab processor. And I think third of all, my favourite thing of the day was the Sony demo. I think those guys really pulled out um, all the stops. Whether um, that was just the end of the day and they wanted to try something different, but you know that just worked and it was it was something completely different. However, Sony managed to get third place in my books, but. For the most disappointing picture of the day, Sony were also, bang on, number one, the most disappointing picture on the LCD stand. And I just know you're going to agree with me because both of us could hardly contain our laughter at some point. Yeah, I mean, it was it was truly embarrassing, the picture that Sony were putting on. I have to say the thing that amazed both of us the most and our anonymous industry friend who was with us as well um, was the fact that there were people on that stand saying that that was amongst the best picture they had ever seen. Please, people, get a better demo of what a flat panel can actually do. That picture was an insult to the eyes. Now, we actually spoke to the Sony guys about that and we really hope that we will have some of the flat panels in um, for a review on the AV Reviews site quite soon because we know that the panels can surely do better than that. Um, there was some feedback from Sony that perhaps the source content didn't help things, and I have to say we saw some other displays um, running similar content that didn't look so good either. So that could have had something to do with it, but really there was no excuse for showing the panels like that. Um, and certainly for me, if I'd been looking to spend £3,000 on a TV, a demo like that would have made me run a mile from the Sony panels. So we don't really want to get down too hard on Sony um, because you know we realise that those sets probably can um, produce a far better picture than they were on the stand. But to actually show that in public, um, it was quite embarrassing, wasn't it, Neil? It was very difficult um, for for us being there, and and you try to be polite to people on a stand when they ask you, you know, what do you think? But there was simply no way for us to hide it. There was actually a couple of points where it was too embarrassing for us to even watch. Um, and there were other guys at the show. There wasn't a huge selection of flat panels, we have to say, but there were other demonstrations at the show that did prove it was possible to get a good image. Um, and, and to show something so poor with so many processing errors and in particular horrible colour inaccuracies, really, really bad... Um, anyone who saw that Sony and thought that was a good picture, please, please go and get a demo uh, of something else because that really was one of the worst pictures that you'll see on a good HD set. So overall, Neil, um, I guess what we're saying was um, the price and the fact that so many majors were missing were the real down points. Uh, but to be fair, there was a couple of things that, that grabbed our attention. So was it revolutionary or evolutionary this year? Yeah, the, the show was certainly evolutionary rather than revolutionary, um, especially as witnessed from, for example, Epson and Pioneer, both of whom showed their new ranges, um, both products that we've seen before. Um, and a clear example that things are developing, the products were certainly better than last year's products. Um, however, I think that we've reached a point now that it will be very difficult for these companies who have such good products, let's not get it wrong, they're very good products, to make huge leaps forward as we've been used to over the past, you know, two or three years. Now that we've reached basically a plateau, everyone's got 1080p, um, everyone's basically doing 1080p24 now, um, the high-res audio formats are now becoming established, 
it will be very difficult for people to make huge jumps as we've been used to in the past and I think that was one of the key things that came out of this show. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much, Neil, for your thoughts. And that wraps up our home cinema podcast coming to you from the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show 2007. Don't forget, we will be back again next month for another home cinema podcast. Uh, Will, myself and Neil will be talking about all things projectors as we get the new models through for review. So tune in for that next month. And this is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening and we'll see you again. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.